podcast friends, before you listen to today's episode, I have a big announcement. Uh, 4Ds are daily deep dive, uh, digital daily deep dive, one day consulting event here that the Sasha Group, the sashagroup.com uh, put on for uh, individuals is going live in New York City on March 14th here in New York. If you want information on what tickets cost and how to fill up seats because they will go fast, uh, please go to GaryVee.com for the number four, D-S-N-Y-C. GaryVee.com slash four, the number, D-S-N-Y-C. For everybody who's watching me record this right now on Twitch, they're gonna get the first mover advantage, that's right. Make sure you follow me on twitch.com slash GaryVee, but let's focus on what we're focusing on, the big daily consulting session that many people have taken through the years that have exploded their business is finally back in office and not virtual in New York City where I do my show. Come and join it. It will be fruitful and a good investment if you have a meaningful business. The the 4Ds program from the Sasha Group, thesashagroup.com to get more info, or if you want direct info, garyvee.com slash 4DSNYC. Love you. Now on to the podcast. Attention is the number one asset. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode with me, Sriram. And this is name Arthi. Sorry, it's been for a second. (laughs) And, uh, you know, well, as you can see, we are jittery because we have somebody who needs absolutely no introduction on our show we try and cover people who have made it from being on the outside to the very tippy top uh, to the very inside to the virtue of their grit hustle and nobody i mean nobody exemplifies this more than our guest who needs absolutely no introduction you know and that's a cliche but in this case it's true the one the only gary gary we welcome <laughs> thank you thank you so much it's so good to see you too i uh when, when I saw this first pop up on my radar, you know, your show, I smiled so hard because both of you know, we've run in similar circles for a long time. I was very much at the forefront of being a human being that made content. That came with a lot of baggage. First in the wine business, it was really looked down on. Then just the sheer amount of volume I was posting. Then... I took it to the most difficult chapter where I was actually filming my life, which I very much understood was going to come with certain levels of judgment. But I've always believed that there's so many different people that could bring value to the world through their content. Most of all, there are great, great grandchildren who will be able to watch all these things. You know, I lost both my grandfathers before I got to know them. And I wish they lived my life where I could watch all that wisdom, all those things, the mannerisms, the history Um, so when I saw your show, it really hit me because I remember vividly thinking at one point, obviously we, we shared a nice weekend together once or, uh, and, and I remember actively thinking to myself, cause this was a while ago, man, those two should do a podcast. Wait, really? Wow. That was a long time ago before we had any kind of idea on like what we were thinking and doing. And it was because you guys in a weird way, this is gonna, this is a funny way to start the show. It was because I saw you two in combination have the ability to do what I do as one person. Oh. <laughs> and I'll explain what I mean. I feel like the EQ, IQ, the pulse, the like the personalities that, cause 
you know, during that wedding, three, four days, I got to really get a real sense of you. We shared a cabin. I was like, fuck, it will work. There's a, cause they cover everything together. <laughs> and so it's really, I really wanted to do this show because of that. And I wanted to start the show by telling you that. And there's no surprise to me that people find value in your show and I'm happy for you too. Oh my, oh my goodness. God. I, I feel like we should wrap this show yeah, right we now. We can't go, go, go from any here. higher oh from here. Uh, uh, oh man, that, that genuinely means a lot. And uh, you know, and you're such an amazing human being. You know, I would say for the audience, a lot of folks here might just see Gary on the internet, on TikTok, on Facebook. I've seen Gary in all different walks of life and all kinds of different situations. And what you see is what you fucking get. Like Gary is Gary <laughs> in every single situation. He's absolutely the same. And maybe, you know, this is a good place to start. So we've known you for over a decade now, probably, right? Yep, yep. And, you know, you've been through, you started with wine and, you know, you've been through over 10 years of life experiences, business experiences. How does the Gary V of 2022 differ in the kind of content and the approach he puts out versus the Gary V of, say, 2012? You know, it's funny. I was uh, with another couple that I'm very fond of, uh, Dave and Britt Morin the other day. Yeah. Yep. And this got brought up right away as we were catching up. And I said something and it really, I could see on their faces how much it clicked. Let me give you something that I know is gonna do the same thing with you and maybe some of the audience. A lot, a lot less different than people would perceive and let me explain why. I know, and this is a question that's coming up a lot. I know why it's coming up a lot because now I have a lot of receipts and it is very clear that the early Gary Vee content was around work ethic and opportunity and going hard. And I think a lot of my content last three or four years has been very much around happiness and kind yes. emotional yes. intelligence. And so on paper, it's very easy to see and it's very easy to make the assumption of like, I'm more mature, I'm more softened. Like, I get it. I would argue that I, my number one strategy, and this is gonna make a ton of sense to you too, and I'm hoping a lot of the audience, given that it's you too, my greatest operational capability of the last 15 years has been making creative content yep. that is contextual. Hmm. Explain. I will. One of the reasons I've been consistently strong of building an audience on every one of the social platforms that, oh, by the way, you've basically worked for all of them, right? <laughs> it's not because I'm a star, it's because I'm a contextual creative. Yep. Meaning, I understand that when I'm making a snap spotlight, that yes, what you see is what you get and I'm always me. But if I'm on stage in front of 15,000 people versus us three sitting in a cabin two hours before a cocktail party, it's me, but it's contextual me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna be, you know, even right now I'm more animated because I can sense the hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and through the decades, millions of eyeballs and ears for this show. Yep. So I'm in subconscious, conscious now, entertainment, not just information, right? Like there's yep. a lot going through. Yep. So I've been very contextual. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, here's something I'm very proud of. I have been very aggressively against best practices of most of the platforms when they give advice to big brands on how to succeed on their platforms because I'm so native to the platforms, mm -hmm. I know what actually works versus the business advice that Meta and yeah. Snap 
You guys, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. We get it. I'm empathetic. I don't think the platforms are trying to be mean to Fortune 500, but between the agencies and what they're trying to accomplish, it, they can't even get them to do the right thing. So yeah, the goals are different. The incentive structures are right. different. They also don't have the skill set you do, Gary. So you have to dumb it down for people. Uh, my There's favorite no line that you mentioned in one of your videos was not television, but Baskin Robbins, which right. I think is just a great way of framing contextualization. Everybody wants to make vanilla. The, the analogy there is if you make vanilla ice cream and yep. try to push it down to everybody, TV. Yep. Well, some people like vanilla, but unfortunately not everybody all the time, always, forever. Yep. Whereas if you go Baskin Robbins up, you can really achieve a lot more consideration, which leads to people doing what you want them to do, whether that's mm. care about a cause or buy a pack of bubble gum. So anyway, to just finish the thought, when I started making content, I made wine content and it was about, it was very lighthearted. Mm. When I started seeing Gary V and Crush It came out, the world was melting. Mm. Every email I got was, I'm out of a job, what do I do? Yeah. So the content was, well, you're in a really tough spot. Yeah. Please don't dwell, realize this is actually the greatest era, but you're gonna have to go at it because yep. we don't have options. Yep. Right. We're struggling. Like, and so if you look very carefully at the content narrative of the last 15 years that I've put out, it's a lot of macro of what's going on and it's very heavily predicated on opportunity. For example, five years ago, it was so clear to me that Musical.ly was gonna happen and then TikTok M&A happened quickly that even when people were trying to hustle shame me and I was trying to not use the word anymore and I started using work ethic because the thought, and again, you've gotten to know me a little bit and you see me in different settings, the least thing I'm interested in is money, the mm -hmm. least. Yeah. Yeah. The thought of like burnout to get money has never been. But I understand as my popularity got bigger, people would use me as their opportunity for them to build off of. And that just comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. But I was always, I was very sad, especially because mm -hmm. a lot of my coastal friends sometimes believed it, even though they knew it wasn't true. And that really hurt me as a person. But I understood why. I was compassionate to it. I live my truth. Mm -hmm. I have empathy and compassionate understanding but I'm excited. I like where I'm living now. I like. I always like that the truth will always win in the end and I just keep doing what I do. Mm -hmm. But I would say the content has always been one of two things. Very consistent, both contextually in the macro, what's going mm -hmm. on in the world. Mm -hmm. So basically TikTok was going on, even though I, people were trying to get me a little bit on that narrative, I still told everybody to go hard on TikTok because I knew it was a land grab. And I gotta tell you, Maybe I can take some, maybe it's not fun to take judgment of people you respect. And that happens to me a lot, you know, because I'm a little wild and a little more silly, <laughs> I get underestimated from the quality of my thinking. And yeah. sometimes that leads to people that don't know me as well to write me off and I'm a human. And like, if I admire someone and they think I'm a joker, that's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, however, I, I, however, last point and then jump in. However, when I get seven fucking hundred emails a month from people, yeah. who said, you changed my life because yeah. I went into TikTok and this happened, that always makes up for the cliche VC that I admire who thinks I'm a snake oil salesman. It always does. And that's why I've stayed consistent for 15 years. Do you take the hate and make it work for you? Or like, sure. do you have the Michael Jordan mentality of 100%. like- I hate Michael Jordan, it? Fan, but yes, I do. <laughs> 100%. Now, 
I would say it's not as vindictive, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Like I think mine's, mine's kind of a little bit more like, I don't need to show you because I don't need your validation. Yeah. Mine's more like, this is gonna happen one way or another. I'm gonna fucking win the whole goddamn thing yeah. and you're gonna have to eat your fucking words and somebody's gonna know that you ate your words. Oh, totally, <laughs> I think, by the way, you know, I think one of this, your superpowers is your ability to be vulnerable and put yourself out, out there. there in ways where people sometimes in our worlds or the social circles we run in might think of as cringe. And I think I've started to learn to do that, but you've lived that. And I'm pretty sure even this very video, we're gonna get some notes from people being like, oh, are they gonna eye roll? Um, how did you get over there? Was it something you're born with? But you know, because we sometimes all want the approval of some of these social circles. We get I, it. I just wonder if part of it is just the immigrant mentality. You know, so a little bit of, to your point, it's all of the above. It's uh, DNA. Yeah. You know, my brother and sister are different than me. Yeah. I can see it every day. DNA, circumstance, which is probably a bigger reason my brother and sister are different. Right. I was born in the old country. My my greatest strength is humility. Yeah. which is my superpower against judgment. When you don't think you're special to begin with, you're not overly worried about tricking fancy people to think you're special. Yep. <laughs> so that helped. Um, I had incredible parenting, predominantly my mother with a hint of my father. He's gonna get upset, but it's true. My mom, you know, he was working all the time. My mom raised me. My dad taught me word is bond created a lot of good variables for me later in my life. So great parenting, great circumstances. You two know the immigrant thing is an advantage if it's harnessed properly. It could be a disadvantage. There's a lot, you know, lately I'm starting to spend a little more time on the immigrant stuff. Like there are way too many people continuously and we all have it when we come from that culture. And I mean, everyone who wasn't born in America that moved to America, we all wanna make our parents proud more than our American counterparts. It's just a thing. Yeah. But when you start living for your parents' validation, that's the easiest way to not be happy. Yeah. And that's very hard. We know a lot of our Indian friends who go through. Oh, it's huge. In the Asian, Indian, and certain parts of Eastern Europe. uh, Ooh, it's a big one, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I think it was a matter of a lot of like, you know, nature, nurture, circumstance. Hmm. And and then really loving being an underdog. You know, I like I like being an underdog. So for me, I don't want to be accepted in the circles. You know, and you you two will really understand this. I had I was so far ahead of everybody in those circles, I could have moonwalked into those circles. I was already in those circles when the circles were forming, and I kind of walked away from the circles, not purposely, by the way, just because I'm a busy operator. Yeah. You know, like, but like I so don't need validation of circles. In the world that we're talking, for anybody who's a fan of mine, we're talking strictly that mid 2000s Silicon Valley elite. I was there. I was there. I mean, I had all the beats, all the bad, like I just had all the relationships, but I didn't need it. I didn't shun it. It's not like I'm disrespectful to it. It's just I need to be an operator. Yes. Not, not, um, you have other things to go do yeah. than to feel like yeah. whether this is validation. Um, I want to rewind back to something you said earlier about context. Now, a lot of the context is you are a man of the moment, you know, uh, with the economy and everything that's going on. But the other is the platform. So give us the 101 on what it means to do great content for TikTok, for Reels, for Facebook, and YouTube, at least for a start. Here's because I know a lot of smart people listen to your show. So I'll go with the 
smarter part first. The best practices are easy, AKA, it's easy for anyone, especially all the A and A plus students in our worlds to understand all the feature sets of every platform. Mm -hmm. Understand, it doesn't take a whole lot for a bright person to spend a week and have all 10 platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, YouTube Shorts, Instagram, Snap, and understand, okay, this is how Spotlight works versus this is what LinkedIn is, this is a Facebook carousel here. Like, it's not hard. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very achievable. The reason most people struggle and the real answer to your question of how to succeed is do you understand the other human being on the other side of the contents, psycho nature, the psychograph of who they are when they're consuming, AKA, you two are you, you are who you are. But when you are going in a stream of LinkedIn versus when you're going through your stream on TikTok, yeah. you are contextually different and are looking for different things and are in a different mindset, thus rendering the content to need to be contextual to that, yeah. AKA three of us in a boardroom meeting are gonna be very different than we are in this right now, which is very different than if the three of us went to a concert of our favorite, you know, we're just gonna be different. Yep. And yeah. so is the contextual difference of when you're in different rooms. Everyone's different in a boardroom than they are with, with coworkers than that same person is in Las Vegas for a weekend with their best friends. Right. Mm. Okay. Um I want to switch gears. So one of my closest friends at work uh, is a person named Courtney, who's a huge, huge fan of yours and is so excited to be doing this. And she has a 23-year-old son, Spencer, who's an even bigger fan of yours. And so this comes from them. That's kind of a yeah. shout out. <laughs> um, and, but you have a lot of audience who are in that age group, early 20s, trying to yes. figure out their first job. Um, what is your and what is your advice for somebody in the age group, especially when it comes to accountability? Because I know you think a lot about young people and accountability. Thank you. Thank you for knowing that. Yes, it is definitely something I'm spending a lot of time thinking about. Whether it's true or not, that's the most important part of this sentence. Whether it is true or not, the concept of spending energy blaming others or systems or the world for anything that's making you unhappy is an incredibly challenging perspective if you're in search of content and joy. That is my number one thing for 23 year old. Whether your parents, for example, this one blew me away because it's surely not how I grew up and I didn't see this one coming. And this goes back to what I do for a living. I tell everybody that I'm, what do you do for a living? I'm an entrepreneur, but I happen to be a PCS. What's a PCS? It is a title I made up at VaynerMedia. It's called Post Creative Strategists. These are people who read the quantum, who read the qual data mm -hmm. on creative. Mm -hmm. They read the comments on creative on the internet, okay. which I believe gives you the greatest insight to actually what's happening in the trends of the moment in society. If you are the kind of human that has a brain that is very good at synthesizing insights from lots of people writing lots of words. Give us that, an example from right now. Like what's an example of this? Uh, the example is why did the corn kid go viral on TikTok? If you look carefully, this is what I'm good at. It's because the world is anxious and anything that's a simple smile 
is really valuable right now, more than if it was during when Bill Clinton was president in 1999. Hmm. Got it? Mm -hmm. Things like that, or or knowing, it, why, why was I close to Logan Paul and Charlie D'Amelio early? That doesn't come by accident. Yeah. Like, you know, like, why was Gunna in this office right here long before he was Gunna? That doesn't happen by accident. That's watching how people re, it's not just numbers. If it was numbers, all the math kids would beat me. <laughs> it's not data, it's data in qual, not quant form, matched with quant, intuition, duh, 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 duh. So anyway, what I would say is reading all my DMs, and I read a lot of them, because people are very real in those DMs, mm -hmm. I didn't realize how many wealthy kids resented the living shit out of their parents for paying for everything, thus rendering them to realize that their parents don't believe in them, and that's how they interpret it. A 24-year-old that has everything paid for actually interprets that quite often that, oh my God, my parents don't believe in me, so they're paying for it because they don't think I can make it. Interesting, wow. Which crushes their confidence. Yeah. Now, now the world, all their friends are already telling them, you suck, your mommy and daddy are putting you on. You're privileged and blah, blah, blah. That's the worst. But, but that doesn't even fuck with them. What's fucking with them is my parents don't think I can do it. Hmm. And that seems like, like, and so it's, but then I say to those kids, this is how accountability got going for me five years ago. I'm like, cause I'm weird. I just start replying and people are like, well, I have to make a video. No, it's really me. Like the whole thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I tell them, this was unbelievable when I was doing this three, four years ago, a lot and led to me in doing this research work. I replied, don't take the money. Accountability. Gary, you don't get it. My mom and dad fucked me. Like they paid for everything. You talk about being a, a zoo animal and in the wild, I'm that zoo animal. I was fucking taking care of my mom. From the parents' standpoint, they were just trying to help out and do the right thing. Yeah, right? As parents oh, ourselves, I can imagine, you know, we grew up with much less means I mean, than you we don't have want your now. kids to fail. You just That's want to right. help out. The problem is the way to make sure your kids don't fail is not to do it for them, but parents can't help it. Yeah. They can't help it, especially when their parents like you guys, me, like you just want it for them. Yeah. You can't help it. The problem because is- We never had it growing up, so I want it for them. Of course, but I'm promising you right now, it's not gonna work. <laughs> oh <It's>, man. <laughs> yeah, it, or like, and by the way, if you research wealthy, and listen, you guys are enough in these circles, you see it. You see people that have kids that are really great, and you see people that are really not great, and look, you start looking under the hood, and a lot of it has to do, when did they cut them off financially? Yeah, we think a lot about this because, you know, we grew up, you know, with much less means, obviously, than we have now and our kids would have. And, you know, and we're thinking about like, well, how spoiled or how much of a brat are they going to be? Because we do see some really messed up kids and we also see some very well-adjusted kids also. So, yeah. And even the well-adjusted kids oftentimes lack the belief that they can do crazy things because it was just, it's very hard to be hungry when you're fed. Right, right. right. Wow. <laughs> And so anyway, nonetheless, this all led to an interesting thing. I'm like, well, if you're so mad at them and it sucks so bad, well then stop taking the money. Yeah. That's when it gets, that's when accountability gets interesting because everybody loves to blame their parents. They love to blame the government. It's Biden's fault. It's Trump's fault. They love to blame social. I mean, the new favorite step is social media, right? Social media, of course, is everybody's problem, right? So, but can you talk about that? How much do you think young people growing up their identity expressed through social media means they have a very different experience than when we had. Of course, but I want to remind everybody who's 45 years old on here, 
we also were scared shitless to go to junior high and not look good. Like I would argue that social media has allowed people who are insecure to find friends. They're trying. Do you know how many kids are making meaningful relationships on Fortnite that are real friends of theirs now that they would have never met in 1984 and now they have a friend to rely on versus being the only, not having a friend to rely Like We always look at the negative. Negatives, yeah. And by the way, parents are like, Gary, the social media, I'm like, don't let your kids on it. Yeah. Well, well, what? <laughs> well, oh, but all their friends are like, yeah, you're a parent. You're not here to be your fucking kid's best friend. Yeah. But that's what everybody wants to be. Eighth place trophies destroyed kids. We don't want anybody to feel bad. You've completely eliminated merit yeah. and have completely em- eliminated which, work. Which is like a really controversial thing to say now. Like, in, especially in California. Yeah. Well, listen, it's, it's yeah, but meanwhile, it's controversial when your kids are 3, 7, 9, 14. But go talk to people who have 25-year-old kids. They really wish they didn't give that eighth place trophy out. Yeah, eighth place trophy. And so for me, I have no interest in talking about people that are in it. I have people interested in people that have lived it, and there is no debate on this issue. Eighth place trophies are bad. <laughs> um, well, I think pretty much every Asian parent would definitely agree. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I want to, you know, one thing I want to get, get But you know this, every Asian parent of your parents' generation, y'all are all about eighth place trophies. Meaning not you, t- you know what I'm saying? Like this second generation wealth Asian India child. Oh my God, I see it every day. Really? Yeah. But do you think it's because of guilt and maybe wanting to make up for some of the traumatic childhood experiences we had? Of course, of course. You're pissed at your mom and dad for where they went too hard to be the best at tennis and piano and this. So you're overcompensating in the other direction. Oh my God. As the world is going red and blue, all the answers are purple. So because you were driven too hard, you're overcompensating in the other direction. But the way to fix it is not overcompensation, it's center. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, find the balance. Yeah, are these yeah. parents watch this show, by the way? We're definitely gonna get a call about this right <laughs> after, for sure. Gary, we- you, um... you know what's funny? And you know this, the other thing is I'm starting to get a lot of emails from RT's parents. I was getting a lot of negative emails from the generation we're talking about, my, our parents, our three, right? Mm-hmm. I was getting them. Look, you're putting out content that's getting 14 million views on TikTok that says fuck school to an Asian or Eastern European immigrant. Yeah. And they're like, fuck you. You know, and so they weren't happy. But I'm telling you, this is back to reading everything. Over the last year, I've gotten more emails from 55 to 75 and DMs and usually on LinkedIn where yeah. they tend to find me and Facebook that say, dear Gary, I would have absolutely dis- thought you were disgusting five years ago with this video but I've got to tell you, I had this crazy conversation with my daughter a month ago. I see something in my granddaughter. Like people are starting to realize the middle, purple. And so I'm, I'm sensing a shift um, and, and, I, and I saw it coming, but accountability is the big one. We got a little sidetracked because I want to get this off in case this helps someone. Blaming. And feeling helpless leads to very, very, very sad places. So even if it's true that somebody else is fucking it up, being accountable to what you can do about it is incredibly powerful. So mm-hmm. let's say you're a 21, 22-year-old. What should you look for in your first job? To try to be as close to a human being that does the thing that is your dream. Meaning, I think more kids should take way more humble jobs. Hmm. Uh 
I think admin life is the most underrated thing. This is one thing I think Hollywood got right. Hmm. If you look at Hollywood, this whole mailroom assistant thing yeah. to the agent, I, I can tell you from my organization, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then I was like, wait a minute. Cause then I, when I started learning about Hollywood, I'm like, I thought I like was doing something smart. I'm like, my admins are gonna become my future CEOs. Yeah. Then I got to Hollywood world when I started getting popular with my content and met some of those people. I'm like, wait a minute, William Morris has been doing this for a hundred, I'm no innovator. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you see it in Hollywood, you see it less in other industries. I, for example, AJ, my brother, who's 11 years younger, we were right there and AJ's like, oh my God, he got an internship at Dig. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I wish he was Kevin Rose's admin. Right. Interesting, yeah. Right. Um, so my number one piece of advice is you're 21, live more as humble as you can, not on your parents' dollar, because that goes back to what we talked about. So yep. live with four roommates, but be the admin, the assistant, the intern to the intern of the person you want. Of Chris Dixon. You want to be an all-time great VC? <laughs> Chris Dixon's admin's intern, even though you went to Penn. Because yeah. if you can see their actions, when why are so many of my former admins, my partners in business, the president of B Friends, former mm-hmm. intern, the mm-hmm. partners in empathy, both yeah. interns. Why? Yeah. Because they learn most by watching me do weird things. <laughs> That's true. Right? So if you want to be Anna Wintour, if you want to be LeBron, James, uh, Maverick Carter, if you want to be whoever you think is the coolest, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Sarah Blake, you know, whoever you want to be, figure out at all costs from 18 to 25, when I think it's very easy to do what I'm saying, though a lot of people will think it's hard because they don't have the humility. Mm-hmm. They don't really mean it when they say they want something. Mm-hmm. They want it easy. They don't want it. Mm-hmm. And if you can be the intern or admin, for the person that you most want to be like. Mm-hmm. Even if that person disappoints you, one of the things I'm most proud of is, I think I surprise people in the positive. When they get here, if they're a Gar- now that people know who I am, I've had, and because of that, I actually get a lot of emails like, hey Gary, my friend works in your company, and she says you're the sweetest. Mm-hmm. I, I have a different situation here. I've always looked up to X. Mm-hmm. I work here, he or she's a piece of crap. I'm really shook, what do I do? Da-da-da. So. And I'm gonna say this, even if that person, so that's why I'm bringing this up. Even if that person disappoints you, you'll be able to watch what you don't like and what you do like it that they do, but you're gonna learn so much when you're closest to the sun. So, you know, Chris Brickley, a great NBA basketball shooting coach. Fantastic on Instagram and just amazing. I love him. If you're right now 19 and you're like, I don't wanna be a doc, back to Asian, Eastern European, I don't wanna be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. I wanna be a basketball trading, well then, DM Chris Brickley 25 times, uh, like nicely, don't be a spam bot. Try your way different ways because you got to ask more than once if you want to get to the sun and ask to be the intern. But too many people lack the humility. They're like, I'm going to go to Goldman Sachs and I'm going to be like, you know, like if you want, what's my advice? Or they don't, they don't, they're not that foofy and they don't real, they, they'll go make 65K at any corporation instead of making 29K being right there next to the person they wanna be. And let me tell you about these people, and you've seen this a lot, you you know this. We get a lot of people reaching out to us all the time, and some of them are amazing, these young kids. And by the way, anybody watching- We've ended up working with a few of them too. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. So, and there's super fancier people than us three, and you know the stories of them- Yes. Taking a random intern or an assistant and what happened and what that meant, you know, 
the, being in the room is so powerful. Okay, um, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to, you know, you mentioned a couple of these folks. I'm going to give you a name and I want to get your reaction of why they are so successful, right? And the okay. first one is somebody close to our hearts, uh, Logan Paul, and yes. especially his time in the WWE. By the way, I don't know really if you can see this behind me. I have <laughs> these winged eagle belt from the 90s, right? There there. They did that. Yeah. We, we did not plan this. So, Logan, why is he successful? And what He's, do you think of him in the WWE? We're, uh, Logan, first of all, this is insane. Were you recording earlier? Yeah, you must. How crazy is this? I literally was somewhere else just now at length talk. Oh, I was doing props and drops at length talking about how insane Logan's performance was at WrestleMania. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, how much ta natural talent he has. It's crazy. He's a movie I, star. I have no idea what his um, intentions are, but I genuinely think he can be a generational wrestling talent. Mm -hmm. Like a rock, yeah. like a Stone Cold, like a like a like a Hogan, like a like like a like a major talent. He, he uh, gets I, it. He gets I, he has the athleticism, he understands the crowd. The yeah, the mic. He just gets it. And if you talk to like you know somebody like a Triple H or one of the, the people who run the place, they like they appreciate him putting in the work. But but they also he has it, and it factor can't be touched. He has it. He has it. So look, Vayner Media ran a campaign for Virgin Mobile called "Find the Next Vine Star," and Logan won. I literally was in a Vayner Media office and said, "That's the kid." So this the Logan thing is really very weird for me like i'm in that point of my career where i can like tell a story you like that spot them. Right? yeah it wasn't even inspired it was me knowing he had it right anyway he is about work ethic and natural charisma yeah. and deep understanding of what makes people tick which is why he does what he does and that's why he is successful but work ethic's a big one for logan i don't think people understand and he's also creative he's very creative like actually he had to grow up in front of us so all the dumb shit that you and I and others and all of us did, like that, you know, that was all documented for him. And he had his tough times through that. And he's still a young dude, but like that is what a lot of the, that's what a lot of the world is now gonna have to struggle with. They're documenting everything, they're putting out so much. Right. I'm not so sure I'd be pumped about everything I did from 18 to 22 mm. being in social media content. Like we're gonna have to be empathetic and let kids be kids. And we. Yeah. Need to so, be so I wish I had. I was mostly on my computer coding away. So I <laughs> wish, yeah, but people just die of boredom. They saw 1825. Okay, second name for you, uh, Mr. Beast. So I would. I'm gonna put this on on wax, as they say in music, for the record books. Mr. Beast will be one of the most financially successful entrepreneurs of this generation. Why is that? Mr. Beast is is got a lot of talents. One, he's got Gary Vaynerchuk's talent in understanding context. Two, he has Mark Burnett's talent in understanding production. Three, he has uncanny drive mm -hmm. of winning the game, not doing it for the money. Four, he, he really, really, really understands how to entertain and He's very thoughtful about partnerships mm -hmm. and he's simple. And you know who else is simple? I'm simple. And you know who else is simple? A lot of people that have really won. He knows that if he makes great stuff that people like to consume, mm -hmm. everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And that started with YouTube and he under, remember the context stuff. He 
a place I never got great at contextually was YouTube, thumbnail, title, mm-hmm. best practices, because I wasn't the one posting it. In my social, by being the one that posted, I was more native. I never went to not best practices that the platform says, but best practices that the people that really know know. Yes. He did that at such scale. And then what he was, here's another one, he's patient. He re- in a world where a lot of people took their money from Google AdSense, YouTube revenue, and bought Lamborghinis and houses, he stayed in South Carolina and he put all the money into his next video so he could spend a million dollars on it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, he, I think his genuineness just such a big, big part of it. Okay, last one. What is a name that is maybe not considered as part of that Mount Rushmore, but you think should be and will be a few years from now. Or it's going to happen pretty soon. Yeah. I got a couple of answers. One, I think the D'Amelios as a whole will end up there in a way where they are known like the other people, but I think they're underestimated mm. because people are still stuck so much into like, it's a young girl dancing on TikTok. Like TikTok, yeah. they've been very, all the prior to and now this third group have all been very business thoughtful mm-hmm. and lots of hard work. The D'Amelio family is really strong. I think they'll end up doing quite, quite, quite well. Um, you know, there's those. That's the. I'm trying to. There, there are others. I mean, there are plenty of plenty of others. Um, YouTube, Instagram. Um, I'm really big on people like Lex Friedman, for example, or Lex Andrew Friedman. Huberman. Right? They're both in their world, but I think they come. By the way, a lot of the people I'm thinking about now. The only reason they're not coming out of my mouth is I'm petrified of being wrong. Mm. And until I do enough homework that really lets me go there, it's hard for me to say it. Mm. But I'll, I'll, when this comes out, I'll share a couple more names in social when, I have, when I'm not thinking. But I think that the Milios is very obvious to me. I'm trying to think of one more fun one. Um, uh, but I think, I, I let me give you a weird one. Let me give you a, the weirdest one. <laughs> seem like I'm answering the question, but I want to make the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drake. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Okay. I knew this wasn't gonna. I knew that that was gonna be it, because he's obviously super made it. I think one thing that all of the people we're talking about, including by the way, the way I've observed from very far away how your careers have went, both of you, by the way, because I know a lot about it. But again. Everyone's busy. We haven't had the luxury of a lot of time together, but I'm always watching. I'm really always watching. I think every name we just mentioned this little window. You two, I'm proud of this in my own self. All four D'Amelios, Logan, Beast. I think the part that people really don't see in all of these people is the humility. Hmm. The humility to be patient, of course, again, we're talking about a lot of personalities. I, the circles you ran in, of course, there was times of like, why didn't we get invited to that party, right? Yeah. Like weird shit. The kids that, I mean, Dixie, Di- Charlie, Logan, Beast, of course, I mean, there were kids, of course, mm-hmm. like got their feelings hurt or this or that. But the maturity of humility and Drake blows my mind that he's still putting in the work. Yeah. There are very few people in the world mm-hmm. besides Jordan Schultz. The sportscaster, mm-hmm. me, and Drake. <laughs> yep. Yep. Who you know where I'm about to go because I know you pay attention. Who still to this day will spend meaningful time watching and randomly DMing people mm-hmm. and saying, "I'm cheering for you. Good luck. 
Yes. I want to work with you maybe one day. I see you. And for, Dr- I mean, Drake, Jordan, don't get mad at me. Me, Jordan, and the fact that we're all still doing it, I think it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks to kindness, by the way. Mm-hmm. Because Drake is very aware that he's about to DM a kid who has 4,000 followers on Instagram and say his beats are hot, that that's going to change that kid's life. Yeah. 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 So there's a level of kindness, but I actually think it's the humility of being in the dirt. Mm. Uh, Lil Dirk was one that was very obvious to me. It took him a long time, but it happened. And I, when I look at my DMs with him, Russ, Mm -hmm. when I look back to how early I was on with Russ and talk like talk about work ethic, chip on shoulder, humility of putting in the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I want to ask you, let us say we're fast forwarding 40, 50, 60 years from now, you know, and you're Gary, you know, in like, you know, old Gary, uh, still with the fire. What would make you look back on all these decades and make you, outside of owning the Jets, obviously, and sitting in the owner's suite, uh, make you go, that was a life well lived versus... Ironically, Ironically, buying the Jets is so down the list, it's unbelievable. The Jets thing is about loving process. Yeah, the journey, yeah. It's the same reason I love garage sales. Mm -hmm. I am proud that I know that I'm helping so many people with my trash talk show who, we're talking fancy talk on this talk. Forget about the people that DM me about high net worth, Yale, doctor, lawyer. What about the people that email me who are $17,000 in debt, barely making ends meet, and garage sailing and the extra $200 and $600 a week they're making flipping stuff that they buy at yard sales and Goodwill has changed their family. The fact that I'm waking up still on a Saturday after a long week of work and family that I wanna spend as much time as I can given my ambitions and work-life balance schedule, I'm waking up at 5.45 in the morning to be able to hit the garage sales early, <laughs> film it and show them it's real and it can happen but I, but the, but it's, but it's also selfish to this day, with everything I've got. The thrill of pulling up to a garage sale, <laughs> not knowing what I'm about to find. That's what the Jets are for me. The Jets is a fun game to see if I can pull it off. Yeah. Oh my goodness. As far as a life well lived, well, I already know that. I have fantasized about the turnout to my funeral since I was 15 years old. Okay. Okay. I have said to myself, the ultimate indication of a man's or woman's life is how many people decide to come to their funeral. Yeah. And I know that for all the accolades, all the public persona, that nobody knows shit except for my admins of who the hell I really am. (laughs) And I know that my grandkids are going to cry like little babies when they see who shows up to my funeral, cause it's not gonna be just cause I was cool or I won all the diehard jet bands a Super Bowl. They're gonna meet people at that funeral who are gonna say, your grandfather gave my grandmother $6,000 when he didn't even know who the fuck she was because she sent him a GoFundMe link cause her house burnt down. Hmm. Or your grandfather talked to my friend when he was genuinely on the verge of doing some very difficult things and pulled him out. Oh, I know who I am. Yeah. I'm also aware that I confuse people that I enjoy, but I know exactly yeah. who I am. And so the answer is I'll never know because the only thing I'm playing for is that 
and unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to see it. Well, Gary, I'll just say, I know we're out of time. I'll say two things. Number one, that funeral is going to be the most live streamed event in the universe <laughs> with hundreds of millions of people all tuning in with a friend, uh, you know, avatar or something. But secondly, I will say, you know, uh, for people watching, I'm not saying just to kind of flatter Gary, we've both known you in different contexts, in different settings, in private, semi-private and public. Gary is what you see is what you get. He is the same individual who wants to give and help people in every single context I've seen. Mm -hmm. And Gary, your inspiration, your dear friend, I wish you all the best. And thank I you. I so can't so. believe we had 45 minutes just go by. This is like, I feel like we just got like hit by a thunderstorm. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love you guys. We'll talk soon. This is amazing. Bye -bye. Thanks so much, Gary. Thank you. Bye-bye.